Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Professor Sophie Scott, CBE, is the Director of Cognitive Neuroscience at UCL, a TED Talker, author, and stand-up aficionado, which is exactly what makes her best place to discuss today's topic to put a smile on your face all about laughter and the brain. So welcome, Sophie. So first question that I have for you is uh, really understanding what actually is a laugh. Uh, how would you define what a laugh is? Laughter is a, it's a non-verbal expression of emotion. And these non-verbal signs, they are the noises that we make. Typically, when we're in more extreme emotional situations. So if you were really frightened, like you thought a mouse ran over your foot or something, you, you would probably scream rather than say, I am very frightened. The interesting thing about laughter, so the, these, sorry, these non-verbal emotional expressions, they're more like animal calls than they are like speech. Speech is very complex, whereas these calls are very simple. And in fact, they, they are very similar to the sounds made by other mammals. Laughter is one of these, but what's the emotion that we're expressing with it? We tend to think laughter is about comedy and humour and jokes. So for many years, I called laughter a signal that you were amused. But Darwin thought that laughter was an expression of joy. And it's now looking that it's effectively a kind of, it's a social joy. It's a social emotion. So it's a very positive emotion. It's one that we make primarily when we're with other people. And although we will laugh because something's funny, most of the time we're laughing purely from uh, enjoyment of people's company, being with the people that we like, doing something that we like. So it's, a, it's telling you a lot about the social context that somebody's in and their emotions about being in that space. And it's actually within that a very, very complex behaviour. So we use laughter communicatively and we use laughter to try and deal with stress. So actually for a very simple emotional vocalisation, it's an unbelievably complex behaviour for human adults. And so with that in mind, what is the difference almost of, you know, if you're laughing, reading a book or reading a magazine? So taking away the context of TV, where potentially you've got canned laughter, and that might be a trigger, I would understand, and sort of tricking a social sense. But reading a book on your own that you find very funny, uh, what's going on there? Is that an entirely different experience? No, I think laughing on your own definitely happens. It's just that all the evidence that we have suggests that you are vastly more likely to do it if there's somebody else with you. So, um, oh goodness, about a year ago, somebody was sharing a, a clip on Twitter of a bit from the original Dr. Doolittle film and saying, this is incredible. And there's a bit in the original Dr. Doolittle film where Rex Harrison sings a whole rather touching love song to a seal dressed as a human woman then he kisses the seal at the end of the song and then he throws her off a cliff. It's absolutely bizarre and it's very funny. And I saw it and laughed a bit. Showed it to a couple of colleagues, laughed a bit. As soon as I got home, I showed it to my partner and our son and I was helpless, absolutely helpless. So the exact same thing I was reacting to completely differently as soon as I could watch it with people or engage with it with the people I have a really close relationship with. So 
all the evidence that we have suggests that you will do it a great deal more as soon as there's anybody else with you and the more you know that person and the more you like that person the more you're going to laugh so what's actually going on inside our brain when when we laugh like what is the actual triggers is it just you know is it one part of our brain is it like seeping into all of them I wish I could give you a good answer to that. So the dirty secret of doing science on laughter is it's a lot easier to look at how brains respond to listening to laughter than it is to look at brains actually starting to laugh because that's hard. As I said, people will not laugh if you stick them in a brain scanner and say, now laugh, they just don't. I found this out the hard way. So there was a study from Germany from a few years ago where they tickled people and they found that the difference between laughter that was induced by someone else tickling you and laughter where you just laughed to command was in the hypothalamus, which would make some sense. But it clearly can't be the whole thing. So, for example, there's a part of the brain up here called the supplementary motor area, which is critically important in laughter. It's very strongly activated when you hear laughter. But studies of people having their brains stimulated prior to surgery for epilepsy have found that if you stimulate the brain there, people will laugh. And they'll laugh really helplessly and they'll feel completely full of mirth. So there's some very critical role for the motor system in laughter and how that's interacting with a sort of a, for want of a better phrase, a sort of a, a more emotional part of the brain like the hypothalamus, we don't know. So what if I had all the money in the world and I could just sit down and answer one question, I would want to know what is happening, when's it happening and what's triggering what when we start laughing. You'd ask for two more questions, basically. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> just trying to just just trying to make you laugh because you know I, I've understood this is going to warm you up towards me because I am listening. So, okay, wh- where does the notion of a sense of humour come from? Then are some people born with it and others not? Because obviously, you know, even on a national stereotype basis, you know, you've got this idea that you know the Brits have a great sense of humour, whereas you know the Germans, like you said, you know, are much more serious. But you know, th- where does that stuff come from? To some extent, you have to separate laughter and humour. So laughter is a universal behaviour. If you laugh in, you know, when you trip over a twig in the Namibian desert, someone from the Himba tribe with whom you share no cultural similarities and no language, if you laugh, they would probably laugh. You know, people know what that means. As soon as you get humans, you get humour. You know, as soon as you find anything written down, you'll find jokes. Humans have probably always had humour. And possibly because that's a way of inducing laughter, you know. But the thing that's really striking about humour right from the outset is that there is no one thing that over time and over place is funny for everybody always. So there's a whole book of jokes from the Roman period called The Laughter Lover. And Romans really like jokes. They like them so much they wrote them down. Um, And The Laughter Lover contains, you know, we have this record of Roman jokes and they look like jokes. You can see the shape of a joke, but they're not very funny. And they're not funny because all the cultural references are those that matter to the Romans. There are clearly versions of jokes about people who are stupid because they come from certain parts of the world, which the Romans are making, which don't mean anything to us because that doesn't register. There are a whole load of jokes about crucifixion which are like, whoa, <laughs> but they, you know, that, that's a thing that was a big feature of life and they told a lot of jokes about it. It's very sort of shifting and variable. I can remember making a joke about Brexit when I was doing a talk in Belgium a few years ago and to my surprise, 
it died on its backside. No one laughed because it probably would have made people laugh in London out of like, oh, Brexit. And they were just cross. Like, how could you have done such a stupid thing? That's not funny. And they wouldn't, you know, and, and that was, I was quite surprised at that. But that's, that's a very good example of it. It's not funny everywhere. So what you find is, I think often when people say everybody has a sense of humour, because there'll be something that people find funny, but it's actually highly variable across people. There isn't one thing that you'll always find everybody agrees is funny. The closest you ever get is sort of slapstick and stuff to do with toilets. But even that, a lot of the time, people won't necessarily, just because it's about farting, won't make it funny. It's not enough. I think the only thing that's constant is there probably will be something that people find funny. There will be, there will be something that people enjoy in, engaging with. I think often, though, what we say about a sense of humour, what we mean is there'll be laughter. Uh, you know, when people, people, it's one of the most common things in the old days of, you know, um, Lonely Hearts ads, good sense of humour was one of the most common things people would mention. And what it means is, I'll laugh, you'll laugh, I'll make you laugh, we'll like each other. It's, a, it's again, it's code for we are likely to get on, I think. If you were a betting lady, where would you put your money? Is it fart jokes? You know, the most un- universally enjoyed? Well... You know, scientifically speaking, Sophie. I honestly don't know. I think it would probably have some way to go with just straightforward slapstick. So one of the reasons why fart jokes and slapstick are very accessible is because you don't need language to explain it. There's absolute minimum of cultural knowledge needed to access why that joke is funny, why it's meant to be funny. Like why Mr Bean's so popular internationally. Exactly, exactly. And although we don't sort of, you know, we kind of admire Charlie Chaplin now, we don't particularly find it funny, go to China, you'll find people finding it funny. There's a tremendous role for accessibility. And even then, that won't necessarily be enough. Um, everybody's fallen over, everyone's broken wind. Everyone needs to go to a toilet sometimes. That's, that's what makes it accessible. And the fact that it's slightly taboo and embarrassing... That's what makes it funny. So why does it seem like laughter is infectious then? I mean, is it actually infectious? It is infectious. Laughter is contagious. So it's very easy to catch a laugh, even if you don't know why someone else is laughing. The really weird part about that is it's something we learn to do. So babies start laughing when they're quite young, but they do not laugh when someone else is laughing. They don't catch a laugh until they're quite a lot older, sort of, you know, mid, you know, seven, eight-ish, I, I suspect. We need more studies on this. And actually, laughter's not the only behaviour that works this way. So there's quite a lot of things we do, like yawning, scratching, blinking, are things that you catch off the people around you. And it's still social. So you're much more likely to catch a laugh or a yawn off someone you know than someone you don't know. And it seems to be just affiliative. You're just showing your relationship by mirroring back these actions. And it's a very low-cost way of doing that. And we tend not to notice it. If you laugh when your friend laughs, you will come up with a reason why you were laughing. We very rarely say, oh, it's just because she was laughing. It's hilarious, you know. But that's actually what was going on. So other than, you know, you're mentioning a lot of the sort of social health benefits, so to speak, you know, they're inherent within us to make us connect with other other people in the tribe, right? What would you say are the actual overall benefits of laughter on our mental health? So I think the main benefits of laughter 
are that it happens at all because it doesn't happen randomly. It happens when you're with the right people and you're feeling the right way about those people and you're in the right place with those people. And in those contexts, it's important that it works because it's it's a very good way of, of maintaining the social bonds we have with those people or making new bonds with new people. But it has other roles. If you can share laughter with somebody, it's a very effective way of dealing with stress. And... It's, if you like, it's a hallmark of strong relationships, people that you can kind of improve mood with by laughing together about a difficult thing. It's not that the laughter is a bit of magic dust that makes everything better, because if only one person laughs, it doesn't work. You need to share the laughter for the laughter to work. But it means that I think the presence of laughter, it's the appearance of the laughter that matters almost more than what triggered it, because that if people can find a way of laughing together, that will be improving that social group and of course we completely depend on that we are utterly social mammals we absolutely require that kind of social context it's also the case that laughter feels good so it's not that laughter is just happening and then that we were laughing you feel better when you've been laughing and this seems to contribute to this sort of de-stressing positive aspect you get a decrease in adrenaline you get a de- decrease in cortisol so you are more relaxed and you are less stressed and you get an uptick in circulating, uptake of in circulating endorphins, so you feel good. So it has this, it's reinforcing you for the behaviour. Is there any evidence that people who laugh more live longer or suffer less physical or mental health diseases? Is there any sort of, uh, you know, work that's being done to prove anything like that? You'll hear that said. Unfortunately, when you actually look for the evidence, it's harder to find because... A, there's actually very hard to do a study of that. People are not very good at noticing their own laughter. One of the worst things that can happen to a human being is to be lonely, is to be deprived of social contact. So the opposite of laughter is loneliness, basically, because if you, if you don't have the things that make you laugh, which is other people and social links to them, then you will be lonely. And it's the loneliness that's bad for you. And laughter is a sign that you're in the opposite state, basically. So people have made a lot of claims about it, sort of individual basis for a, a, like a, you know, you live longer, yet get less ill. And do you know what? I'd be delighted to find out if that was true. But I think probably as important, if not more important, is what it means to have laughed a lot. So, I mean, many years ago, my father was direly ill. He was dying. We were at the hospital. There was, everything was going wrong. Nothing the doctors were doing was working. He was just visibly declining in front of us. Spoiler alert, at the end of this story, he lives, okay? He had another happy 14 years. But at the time, it was looking extremely dire. And we were just sitting around waiting for something to happen. And he suddenly said, oh, we've laughed a lot, haven't we? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we have. And this was years before I worked on laughter. But I thought at the time, you know, what a strange thing to say. But of course, now I've worked on laughter a lot. I think he was absolutely right. If you can have a life in which you've laughed a lot, actually, that will mean great things for that life. It's a life you'll have shared with people, you know, the, the, the people you wanted to be with and you got to do the things you wanted to do with the people you wanted to be with. And that's a great thing. And that will have been good for you. And funnily enough, you know, when we first connected years ago, you know, the thing that randomly connects us is we both have a TED Talk on laughter. It's just that yours is a lot more popular than mine. 
<laughs> very unfairly. Yeah, very unfairly, of course. You know, who, who, who would think that the uh, director of cognitive science at an established university would deserve more views on, on the science of laughter and the brain, honestly. Um, but same thing, the, the crux of the story in, in mine was literally that was about my father, you know, who did end up passing away, but like his relationship with laughter and how it sustained him over the years and that's actually what kept him going so it's a really really similar insight and something I've always just been so fascinated by um before we go to our our questions I just wanted to ask what your three main takeaways are on that you know that you think we should remember you know if we had to uh, summarize three snappy things about laughter and the brain to recall I would say you know value your laughter think about the places that you laugh and the people that you're with Pay attention to it and let build time in your day for that to happen. I've been really trying to pay attention to that under lockdown because it really matters. Think about laughter as a social behaviour. It's an emotion, but it's an emotion that lives almost entirely in social interactions. And within that, it's probably one of the more important social interactions that you have. It could be completely transient with someone in a shop or on a train that you never see again. Laughter can still be a really efficient and effective way of managing a situation I think the last thing I'd say is that working in science has taught me one thing. It's taught me primarily that when we study emotions, we study negative things. That pretty much all the research in cognitive neuroscience, when, when we talk about emotion, you just know someone's going to be talking about anger or disgust or fear or sadness. But the positive stuff really matters. I'm not saying the negative stuff isn't important. That's really important. But I think one of the reasons why laughter matters is because positive reasons for things really matter to humans. And I think we need to know a lot more about that. It's one of the bigger ways that our behaviour can be affected. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. If you want to know more about how well you're feeding your brain, you can head to yourheights.com forward slash brain food to get your free score from one to 100 and start taking action from there. See you next week. Hold up. 